Our guest today is Ashley Jones. In 2017, after completing his study with the Chartered Institute of Marketing, Ashley launched the Marketing Showcase, a successful regional event series designed to keep forward-thinking marketers in the loop with the latest ideas, products and solutions. Most recently, in response to the pandemic, Ashley has hosted over a thousand marketers whilst presenting their new online event format. This has been a huge success, demonstrating that the need to diversify is not always a bad thing. In this week's ExtraCast, we discuss the highs and the lows of this diversification and discuss how we can bring these learnings to our own business growth. I hope you enjoy this ExtraCast. Are you staring at your ads manager stuck on how to make your ads perform? Come and join the Ads Clinic, a series of one-on-one consultancy calls where we dive into your own ads manager and see where we can turn your ads into a profit-making machine. It all starts with a 30-minute free consultation call. Sign up now at theadsclinic.com. Morning, Ashley. Good morning, gents. How are you? All right, thank you. Sorry about that. If you heard that in the background, you well. Yeah, very well, thank you. Well, you know James. I do know James. Yes, we do. We both. We both. Um, we both had a trim. We've both gone for the shaved effect. Yeah, you look. You look more like you've shaved, and now you're letting it grow out. Whereas James has found his trend in life. <laughs> uh, no comment. No comment. I can't come on here as a guest and start chucking, you know, chucking insults. Maybe I can. But... Well, to be fair, the people who listen to this podcast know that whenever James and I are on a podcast together, it ends up being probably 20 minutes worth of value. The rest of it is caning the crap out of each other. But I have to say, James looks better with his head, his hair like it is. Oh, no, really? I, 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 I think sort of... so, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I had a nice, I guess, an... I'll, I'll tell you the story. There you go. Um, my, my other half is a hairdresser. Right, which is yeah, kind of yeah. ironic with this because I required a bit of little trim. It was getting a bit out of hand, and it was more my fault than anything. I said, "Oh, can we go quite short?" And she went up ever so slightly too high, which I don't know whether you've ever had that. But it's did she give you a fade? Point. Was it a fade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted long on the top, faded on the sides, yeah. and the fade just went up and up and up and up and up to the point where I would just look in the mirror. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "I cannot go out like this." I, I it looked it looked like an ice gem on the top of my head with this like sort of flock of hair <laughs> and then shaved up the sides she won't listen to this so i can really slag her off on this but um yeah i just said i can't do this just take it all off i've never shaved my head so i thought maybe i'd pull off some sort of jason statham yeah. vibe but I, I guess i haven't quite hit that i'm more of like a b-tech jason than anything else <laughs> yeah well i suppose with the closure of the gyms and the close of the crossfit which i know you did before you you, you probably need to get a bit more buff if you're going to do the jason straight well thing. I, I've, I've started oh, we're going to we're going off topic, but I started marathon running. So I've, I've ran, ah, I've, I've ran I'll a marathon. I'll leave you James to it then, yeah? I'll just sit back. I, I ran a marathon at the end of March um, for, for charity um, around our golf course whilst it was shut. So, and, and I did read somewhere in terms of body type, where I used to like my CrossFit, as soon as you start training for long distance running, your body gets, your body realizes, and it says, we need to lose weight. It's not even about the calories you take in. I'm sure it is. I'm not, I'm not a uh you know nutritionist or anything but your your body starts to drop weight just because you know you, you're traveling long distances and it needs to adapt to that so i just dropped weight like nothing i look um yeah not not jason statham like more mo farah less jason statham i think well actually ash i'm as you know or well, i don't know we think we discussed this i'm training for an ironman next year 
which was going to be this year. There's a lot of running, isn't there? That's serious. I mean, I did this marathon and one of my thoughts straight afterwards was never again. I'm not doing that ever again. And then, you know, a couple of days later, I sort of got a bit of an itch for it, maybe. Um, but I thought of people like you that do Ironmans and you do that marathon run at the end of a, you know, however many, 2.6 mile swim and a hundred mile bike or something silly like that. Just couldn't even imagine it. Can't get it through my head how people do that. Weirdly, Ash, neither can I. <laughs> well, good luck for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to, uh, I don't know how we're going to complete that, but, uh, but uh, yeah, we, sure. yeah, we will, but we digress. So Ashley Jones owner of showcase events so let's go back before we go into your story how we know you is that we were actually started taking part in probably the last in fact i think the time that we had our first event we suddenly heard on the news about a pandemic a bat being eaten in um china and went oh and i remember james we we then had our second one coming up which would have been in the in birmingham or something and i said to james about four weeks before i said I'm, I'm not sure this this isn't going to happen. It's like, oh, I'll be right. Because the world is like, oh, I'll be fine, be fine. It's like, I don't think, I honestly, no, this is because James doesn't watch the news. I rarely watch the news, but I was quite intrigued about it. James was like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, no, honestly, you turn on, turn on BBC News tonight at six o'clock and you'll go, what the hell is going on in this world? And it all went tits up, didn't it? So, yeah. so that's how first, we met. Your first event was my last event. Yeah. Yeah, did, to put it like that. And yeah, like you say, I remember standing in that room. I don't know whether I had the conversation with you or one of the other exhibitors or speakers, but we were at the, the Royal Armouries Museum in Leeds running a marketing showcase event. And next to the Royal Armouries Museum is a block of flats. And there was the first confirmed case in the north of England in the block of flats. We right. got news of it. Um, and everyone, we were kind of like, oh, can't shake hands. Oh, you know, not sure whether I want to, you know, and then there was there was a group of people who, like you say, kind of just said, oh, we'll be all right. And they kind of hugged and kissed. But now you look back at it and I don't know whether you find this, but you're watching like an episode of EastEnders and they hug and you think, oh, that's a bit weird. So looking mm. back on that event and seeing all the handshakes that took place and stuff, I miss it. I really, really do. But you kind of just think oh, it's a different world. It's crazy. Yeah. So tell us about. So how did you come into the events world then? Yeah. Really good question. So. I it's my dad's business so my dad launched uh, framework media who are the owners of marketing showcase and IT showcase events um, he launched the business 30 years ago after he was re made redundant in a software sales job right so he used to sell business software to the construction industry actually got made redundant um, was was having a by chance conversation with one of the colleagues who worked for the same software business who was doing exhibitions and he just said, I don't know whether we're allowed to swear on this, so I'll stay clear. But he just said it was rubbish. Words to that effect. The exhibition was rubbish. And my dad was like, you know what? I think I could do that. So he, he had a go at it, basically. And um, 30 years later, we're still running that same event series that he launched. Um, I came into the business seven years ago, um, straight out of school. I was working in a golf shop. Love my yeah. golf. I was selling golf equipment. Um, and... I have a passion for sales. I love sales. I love speaking to people. I love communication and I love business. Yeah. So I never really had a passion for events as such. I never thought oh, I want to be in the events industry. I want to build events, but I've always wanted to be in business and yeah. our events business, you know, is just that I get a really, whilst events is the medium that we use, I get a really well-rounded approach to business, learning about 
sales, marketing, finance, you know, every facet of a small business I'm involved in, which is, you know, exactly where I wanted to be in my career. So no, that that's kind of my my backstory. So did so did your did your father just say, did you go to your father and say, I think I'm gonna set up like a marketing showcase? Was it your idea? And he was like, Okay, let's bring it to the so with marketing showcase, we, we had a successful event series, like I say, with the IT event, and it got to a point where we kind of wanted to grow the the business. Mm. And we've got a, a formula to our events, which is simply put, if there is a, a big national event that takes place every year that people go to, but there's no regional alternatives, we run the regional events that travel the country to satisfy that market. So if there's yeah. a demand for a massive national marketing event, or if there's a de- demand for a, mas- na- a massive national motor event in London, why can't you run that in cities around the UK and take the event to the audience rather than saying, well, you've got to travel three or four yeah. hours to get to the event. So we wanted to grow using that format. Um, interestingly, we actually started researching a general business to business event. There's loads right. of regional business events out there, as I'm sure you've probably been to. And, they're, they're great. I'm not, you know, sticking, you know, flacking them, whatever the term is. I'm not, not uh, slating them at all. There's a place for them. But we wanted to apply a focus because I mm. find sometimes when I go to a general business event, only 50% of the content is relevant to me and my role. And the exhibitors and sponsors who are paying to be there, a tiny proportion of the audience is relevant to them. You know, it's a bit of a, a yeah. bit of a messy knot sometimes. <clears throat> you know, you can grow your network, you can meet new people. It often sparks interesting conversation. But we decided that instead of running a general business event, we'd apply a focus to it, as we did with our IT event. So that focus, for one reason or another, ended up being marketing, partly because of we, we're a marketing business. We know our way around, you know, a marketing plan. Um, but it's a sensible market to go to because there was this, thriving national event in London that there wasn't yeah. a regional alternative so yeah we we I wouldn't say I came up with the idea I can't take the credit for it I was definitely a driving force behind it but um, I now oversee that event so from its from its conception this was my first event series that I looked after and and, and was responsible for yeah so from from obviously the years that you've been to speaking to uh, experts in marketing of different fields of marketing because I know that you have all types. I mean, some of the some of the speakers that we we saw when we were there, we'd even thought, right, that's a completely different type of marketing. But you've got the email marketing, you've got you know, you still got mail. I think you've still got some fulfillment there and things like that. Um, when I, I seem to remember them when we were there, when we were speaking about being there, social media was kind of like, even though it's been around for a while, it was quite new to be. A show like that in a way of i suppose from james and i's point of view the paid social media side because i think a lot of these things you see everywhere social media and it's probably organic and i think that whenever we're doing anything we're always putting the words on paid you know paid social media advertising mm. how are you sort of seeing that in regards to the the pickup of people coming to your events whether it's online now compared to the other types of marketing that are still there yeah, it's a it's an interesting observation. I think you're totally right in that. That the the market. So I I always describe whenever I'm running these events as I get a really interesting sort of fly on the wall perspective to any mm. industry that we run events in because I'm you know we're a marketing company. I look after the marketing for our business to a certain mm. extent, but I'm not a marketing agency. I'm not a marketing 
expert. I never describe myself as that. I am an events expert. We we run, if you like the term expert. I mean, I think going back, you're never an expert. You can always learn something new. But yeah. you know, our, our trade is in running events, not marketing businesses. So when we started launching Marketing Showcase and I went out there to get speakers and stuff, it was really interesting to learn about the types of agencies and where they position themselves within the market in terms of helping businesses grow, helping businesses market their business, because there are general uh, sort of um, integrated marketing agencies of which social is part of their offering. You know, they'll they'll agree a strategy maybe, or they might run a social media campaign, but they can also, uh, you know, they can also look after the SEO. They can build you a new website. They can design print brochures. Mm. And sometimes that's not a way a business operates. You know, if I think about my business, often I'm like, well, I don't want to outsource my whole work my whole marketing function to an agency who manages the strategy and oversees everything but i would i i see social media and and paid social as being a particular sector that we can focus on i'm not an expert at paid social so let's go to an agency who just focuses on that because surely that's going to be the way we get the best results out of it so yeah I, I see it as a very interesting, there's no right or wrong to it. So what I'm saying isn't necessarily, you know, the right or wrong way to go, but there's just a plethora of options out there for a business, whether you're looking for a marketing agency who, who looks after everything and you don't have to do anything or somebody that starts to to take chunks or even laser beam focuses on a particular area, which is kind of yeah. what I describe you guys as. Yeah. What in do terms you see? Of, Sorry, go on. I was, was going to say, in terms of obviously your your business ash in terms of when the pandemic hit pandemic hit you had to you know diversify very quickly now something that i've noticed you used social media very well on things like linkedin you know you've used that medium and that that platform very well so what exactly have you, you know what have you seen from and not from a paid perspective just from organic how have you seen that essentially affect your business yeah so I'm going to be honest with you guys in this podcast because I think that's probably the best way to go about it. I'm not going to sit here and start coming out with random terms or kind of inspirational stuff or what we want to hear. I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. Um, the truth, Ash. We always the want truth. the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. So um, I struggle with social. In our marketing plan, I find it's a necessity, but I struggle to maybe um, – quantify a you know a visible return on investment on anything we do on it um, we've tried every platform or not every platform but we've tried many of the popular social media platforms and we've tried paid social on each one of them with varying degrees of success however i saw and i have for many years linkedin as being probably the most suitable for our business and it's where most of our audience find themselves i know everybody is on facebook um you know or there's a lot of people that most people have a Facebook account and you can always argue that. But I wanted to focus on LinkedIn because for two reasons. One, what I said previously, I think a lot of our audience in terms of marketing managers are on there. But two, we don't have the resource internally to do every social media channel well. So I thought it was mm. important to pick one, stick to it and smash it rather mm. than spread myself too thin and kind of, make a you know a, a bodged attempt at Instagram, a bodged attempt at Facebook, a bodged attempt at Twitter, a bodged attempt at LinkedIn, and never really hit the mark with any of them. Yeah. So that that was my sort of theory behind LinkedIn. I do like the platform personally. I think it's good um, overall. 
so I quite enjoy doing the stuff on there um but yeah it's it's if you ask me today what have you got from LinkedIn I, I, I know we have got stuff we have got registrations from it we've got people come to our event as a result of it and I've won business on LinkedIn but whether it's my poor measurement or whether it's just difficult to track I can't physically say exactly what it was How much yeah it's it's very hard to track and you know social media in its entirety whether it's you know Facebook Instagram LinkedIn or whichever platform that you're you're on and you're trying to utilize you know what people don't understand is that you know we're at a 99 percent fa- failure rate on on these platforms you know which in any of a marketplace you go is crazy but the reality is is that you know the audience we're trying to hit on average only one of those people is going to resonate with but the good thing is especially with you know organic social and stuff you're doing on linkedin it's just going to keep regurgitating. You know, those people are going to going to see it at some stage, and they might not see the post that you did today, but they may see the post on LinkedIn you, that you do in two weeks' time. But on any of a with any of a marketing strategy, people would say that was a failure. But the stuff that you do on LinkedIn that I see, you know, I pretty only pretty see ten percent of the the stuff you put on, but it resonates with me at that time. Now I see that as a success. You know, the the reason why we're doing this podcast and we're doing a talk for you um uh for you next week aren't we is because i saw um one of our let's say competitors doing a chat with you and i thought hey you know they they must see some value in that so i must see them so so that's worked so you could directly even though we're already sort of a sort of a lapsed customer of yours i've come back into your ecosystem through your linkedin posts because i've seen the value seen the comments and gone god I, i need a bit of that let me just let me just add that to the spreadsheet. Plus 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 one customer as a result of LinkedIn. But yeah. yeah, no, I think what was really interesting when I started doing LinkedIn, started posting on my personal page and setting up company pages, exactly what you said there. The thing that drove me to keep doing it um was I'd speak to somebody on the phone. They didn't like, they didn't, they didn't engage with the comment, but they'd say to me, Oh, I saw your post on LinkedIn. I was like, you know, okay, that post has got zero engagement. It looks like a mm-hmm. failure on the face of it, but Somebody saw it, and as a result, I'm having a conversation now, and that is ultimately a success. So, um, you know, I've 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 heard lots of talks at our events, particularly about vanity metrics on social media. You know, it's not all about the views, the followers, the subscribers, the likes, the comments. Mm. It's about what actually comes from it. So, yeah, I think that's a really good testament to kind of my maybe slightly informal strategy towards social media and, and LinkedIn. Yeah. Because it's you know something we discuss now, and a word I use in with all my clients, and I'm sure they all get absolutely fed up of it now, and even within our own business, that is being omnipresent. You know, being in people's ears, eyes constantly, whether that's through podcasts, LinkedIn, you know, Instagram, you know, Facebook, obviously with what we do. I don't, you know, the second someone enters our ecosystem, I want to be all over them constantly but not just you know we want to add value like i said with the the post that you've put on linkedin you know some of the videos you've, you've put out they've been really engaging and again they've, they've caught my interest because there's people in the social space obviously not doing exactly what we do but to a degree what we do and you know that's that's engaged me and then brought me back in so like you said you know that that success rate you know how is that measured and it's very hard to measure it but you now you know framework media and ashley and and martin showcase for me in my little world within business are omnipresent because I get your emails, you know, I get your, your automated emails. I also get your, 
your, your LinkedIn stuff. And that's great. You know, that from your perspective, Ash, is what you want to be, isn't it? You know, someone enters and then essentially they never leave. Mm. Mm. It's, a, it's a well thought out plan. I promise you I spend hours <laughs> late into the evenings working out how I can stay omnipresent with you, James. That's pretty much the the, the strategy. But in a way, in a way, it's kind of like there's some, there's truth to that, isn't there? Because you you, I think what a lot of people think is, oh, they want to get in front of everyone. Pick pick your avatar. And if James is that avatar, how can you get him back into the ecosystem? How can you keep him in that ecosystem? And mm-hmm. it's having those different avatars. I think what does happen in a lot of marketing, you know, in Facebook marketing is they just go, you know, we, we always talk about these broad audiences and stuff like that from an audience point of view. But you have to think about who is your, who is your avatar, whether it's a, a male or female or both, what is their age? What are their interests? And once you've got that figured out, then you then you go onto all these different platforms in a different way. The problem is there's so many different things to do. You know, we we would have had no idea that our podcast, which we started last October, I think we've done what this is the twenty we've done our, we did our twenty seventh episode yesterday. We've created another line to our business from it. Um, James is completely. I mean, even yesterday, James, weren't you? It's like. James is like, I don't even, this is completely crazy how we've got thousands of downloads now from, no one listened to us for like two months. I did. Like you've had, you're, set, the, back, you're the background to my marathon training you are. Are in. Yeah. We had like seven downloads in two months. And then suddenly it's like these things, you've got to, you've just got to be consistent. And I read something the other day, which said, you know, 71% of people, or 79% of people stop recording a podcast because they don't see anything coming from it it's taken this long really what six weeks ago james we actually saw things starting to move from it you know we started last yeah. october but it's yeah, the same with all these different things isn't it you're, sorry just to finish so you're you're using linkedin you you could have just spread yourself and not and the same as an agency we're we are facebook specialists all of our clients say are you doing youtube yet are you doing google ads yet um we want to bring it to our itinerary when we are as good at those as we are at facebook marketing because we don't want to be that agency that then outsources and blah blah we want to bring you know our dream is to have that whole complete funnel where we'll use all the different platforms at the top for a client bring it all down and have all the systems in place which is fantastic and that's like an end goal to aim for will we diversify and change our route yeah probably but you've done the right thing and you're focusing on one thing linkedin and it's working for you um but going back before you know james knows question but what the next thing i want to go on to after james has said his asked question is when you shit shit yourself and when oh my god there's a pandemic and i'm in the events business and people are supposed to come into a room that's where that's what i want to take this podcast next but james well just just quickly some in terms of spreading yourself um to finish i think you know with linkedin you found linkedin and it worked you know it's working you know okay it's not as measurable as you know you'd want it to be you know here's my you know, spend or time spend and, and this is this is how much i've um i've returned from it but what you might find with things like facebook as an example it doesn't work for every business you know facebook marketing instagram marketing might not work for your business not because you can't get people um a cold prospect from facebook into your ecosystem it might just cost too much 
you know, you as a business, obviously, you charge exhibitors. Um, ticket sales, I believe, are free. Even you know, I believe that. So it might just it might just never add up for you. Even though, yes, it's it's viable. It might just the math just might not add up. Now that's not a bad thing. It's just you know you've tried and gone well. Actually, my cost per acquisition to acquire someone on Facebook is you know let's just say two hundred pounds. Just throw that number out there. It's just not. I, I, it's too much. You know, even you know, I don't know how you you know uh, you figure out a, a cost per sort of um, um, user or exhibitee, um, but it might just be too much. So you found your 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 little spot on LinkedIn, and that might be long term. Just that's where you reside. Yeah, I mean, cost cost per lead, and this is you know me as a salesperson when I'm selling ex- exhibitor packages. It's a question I always ask. I always say, you know, what's what's the value of a lead to you? Can you quantify it? I, you know, you probably know as well as I do. I'm absolutely astounded at how many people just do not know. They've got no no clue of how much a lead costs them or how much it should cost them. I mean, they know how much they sell their product for, so I'm pretty sure it's easy to work out. But we often find with exhibiting at our shows where we try and aim sort of quality over quantity is always our general approach. You know, mm-hmm. we, we run small intimate regional events rather than a big massive national event so we try and make sure that each visitor is of a certain quality and um, the services who are a little bit more expensive a little bit more premium tend to generate better results because there are less people in the in the room if you need if you need a thousand people off of your thousand pound spend to inquire i've only got 200 people in the room so i can't physically make the numbers work there um, whereas if you need one person to make a thousand pound investment worthwhile, it's going to work. You know, the numbers will add up. And mm-hmm. and, and we, we're not, when we've looked at social media advertising and paid ads, that same calculation goes on in our heads to whether we should be, you know, like I say, I have invested in paid social and it's worked in the past to varying degrees of success. Um, but that's always been the calculation that's gone on in the back of our minds as a business. Um, you know, the, the, the simple cost, is 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 the cost per acquisition is the cost per acquisition correct? Is it right? Because mm. a lot of people forget that. I think a lot of people go into you know whether it's PPC, whether it's paid social, whether it's even even email marketing to a degree, and they don't have those those benchmarks to work from. They don't have those figures to hand, which you know Ashley and I discussed this a lot. I think it's bizarre. You know, I think it's nuts. You know, we're doing our own sort of uh, paid social um, at the moment to bring people into our business. At the moment, we're averaging about £140 a lead. Now, we're converting about, well, at the moment, we've converted two and five. Lifetime value, I'm a, it works out about seven times the return. Now, if we can reduce that lead to, you know, 80, 70, suddenly our return goes up. So, it all, you know, we're adding it all up. I don't know if every single business looks at it like that. And also, the lifetime value, like, you know, for you, Ash, you know, an exhibitor, if you keep someone like us or someone like Force24 coming to every single um um, every single event, you know, our lifetime value massively increases, doesn't it? So to acquire us, you know, you don't really mind potentially how much it costs. Mm, exactly. Mm. Well, we've seen, James, we, in the past, we've been to some big companies, haven't we? And just sat there in a meeting with eight other people. And we've, you know, signed NDAs to sit in that meeting because, you know, with the data suppliers and things like that. And uh, just Nick, I'm going to jump in just here, no, no, no. The best one was this. This was years ago. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, our background in data. This was for a fuel card business. And we obviously, we can't oh, say yeah. that. And we sat there in this meeting, Nick and I. This was 10 plus years ago, Nick. 
And there was, you know, the board pretty much were here. I don't know, 600, 700 grams worth of wages. There was 12 of them in there, wasn't there? There were 12 people in there. There was a lot in there. And we were looking at, obviously, they got the screen up and went through the stats. And obviously, they're drip feeding, you know, what data converted, all this stuff. And I looked at the bottom and it said four. Four, four fuel cards have been sold. Now, bear in mind, you know, the average spend on a fuel card a month is about that, six to 750 pounds. You have all these wages in this in this office discussing four converted leads. <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, I just baffling. We, we, we'd, we'd sat in there, we'd sat in the call centre um, watching girls file their nails instead of making a call, waiting for the next call to come in. When they did it, uh, you know, at this point, we were, James and I were also doing sales training um online and stuff like that so you know we created a bit of a structure for all this and it was just like oh my god like yeah. like scary it's like how the hell is this company actually surviving Did surviving you... because it's got big investors and shareholders and then every three years probably gets bought out by someone else who's going to change change the business and never happens and they sell it again and and it's just so happens in these big companies like that did you go in and did you laugh at them or did you pander to it and say, oh, well, we think, you know, was it a well, we're, we're trying to, we're, we're, we're waiting for sign off for a really big deal. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Oh, we can really change. We basically said everything we needed to say to try and get the deal signed. Um, quite, quite right. It was uh, the yes. thing, the, the, the problem with that particular one, when you looked at it, you obviously, you know, bash, we reverse engineer, but. When you looked at it, the only thing that was issuing was they, they weren't calling enough of the data pretty much. We know the quality of you know our, our, our fleet data. And um, you know, the, we know the success rates that you know some of our very large or smart clients get. None of these riding up. But obviously, like I said, when you sat there looking at all these people, they're on some serious wages, you know, discussing essentially four conversions, you just sat there going, What? Yeah. What are we doing here? But we did walk out of that meeting, look at each other and just go, Did you did you see? Did you see the bomb that, that spreadsheet? And it was like, yeah. yeah, but we're questioning it. You're questioning it, aren't you? Just like, really? Is this is that for real? Like, have we read that right? It's crazy. But then you go into other businesses that you know, other businesses that we've been dealt with, still deal with, that started from four people in a in a building, and and that building was ready to fit a hundred people, and there's four of them in there, and it's like we've rented this out because we need to fill this in a year, and they've done it, and they've been bought out and bought out and bought out. And we still deal with the mothership now and think why didn't we buy shares in it but anyway so we so we digress so i want to get on to you, you we're at the last show you shit yourself like a lot of us did and went how the hell am i gonna grow an events marketing company when i can't use events because there's it's it's you're in a sector which has been seriously hit and you're still here you're talking on a podcast and we're speaking on a at one of your events on Tuesday. How 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 have you done this? How have you got there? Do you know what? So I did a bit of prep for this this podcast and I, I knew this was probably going to be a question that you'd ask. And I started I'm thinking, glad someone does Ash. I, you know, I, I like to I like to make sure I'm prepared. What prep? This is, yeah. this is, life on the fly. Life on no, the fly. The, the boy scout in me. Always prepared. Or is it be prepared? What's the scout one? Be prepared. I don't know. I'm not a Boy Scout type of guy. Actually, proof of my proof of my point. And yeah, so I knew you can ask about this. I started writing down like, oh well, as a business, this is this is where we've grown, or in fact, this is where we haven't grown. 
Um, you know, personally, I start writing all these bullet points down. And then I just put a big line through it. And I, you've already swore. So I just wrote down, this year has been shit. You know, there's no covering it up. Financially, employee-wise, pretty much every number that you could track our business on has seen a decline. However, I don't feel like we failed. In many ways, I actually feel like as a business, we've grown. And like I said previously, I don't want to make this cringy. It's not some sort of inspirational, you know, cringy quote that's going to come and I can I can paste it on an on an image of my face and say I'm a I'm a keynote speaker or something. But this is this is we we've generally we've 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 left ourselves in a strong position to resume as we were and and maybe even kick off quicker than we did so um i think i read something yesterday um from one of my clients actually dan biancini who's a new speaker at our events um and he works for a company called common ground and he spoke about sustainable growth rate i don't know whether you guys have ever heard of it but it's no. basically um how you sustain growth without considerable financial leverage so it's without like, it yeah yeah okay you're not acquiring a massive new company to grow you're not plowing loads of money risking uh you know on a on a top of a coin whether it will grow it's about playing the long game and we've always been about that and a lot of the time throughout the um throughout the pandemic i've had a lot of time thinking about where this business goes you know mm. it, it, sometimes it's got pretty dark and it's been like are we ever going to see a light at the end of the tunnel as an events business absolutely you know but not been able to do what we wanted for 12 months but this isn't about now it's not about next year it's not even about the year after it's about 10 years time our product will still stand the test of time i truly believe i might be wrong um but i still believe that there will be a need for events when the pandemic comes back um and whenever that is so we've tried to put our business in a place where it can still tick over all right we haven't made as much money we've we've lost employees unfortunately um you know our marketing's had to change our sales has taken a hit but when we're ready to get back we've by running an online event we've kept front of mind i've kept the social media stuff up i've kept banging on the doors of our potential customers letting them know that we're still here so that when we do return to our profitable product and our you know strong business events that people like we're, we're there at the top of people's mind Does that makes yeah. sense that was a bit of a wordy answer but that was my <coughs> no I, I was going to say ash from from my foot obviously from the outside in obviously looking at what you guys did obviously it's really frustrating for us because as nick said at the beginning we signed up for i think it was five or six wasn't it so the first one was um just an exhibitor slot because you didn't have any speaking slots um and it was going to be a big year you know we'd just gone live as, as a business as well um force 24 adam and nick you know sang your praises and said look and neither jake sweeney said look you've got to go to marketing showcase you'll get some business from it so i thought right well let's lessons invest some money not huge amounts um but let's you know get the first exhibitor understand the sort of lay of the land understand how the speakers work your your obviously how the exhibit works in, in truth and then the next five or six however many there were we can then do our speaking gig and like nick said you know we walked into that then i don't watch the news so i just assumed that everything was all dandy and rosy um and obviously then suddenly we sort of paid or sort of we, we had these events coming up and we didn't really know what to do did we from from my perspective so you went online and how quickly how quickly you you went online to be fair ash you know without you know it was quite inspirational in truth 
you know. Well, I carried on got, doing the tour. I carried on doing the online talks. Yeah, I? you did the online talk. So, you know, so yes. And you know, decent numbers to them as well. I think we were one of the first to actually, you know, I don't, I haven't got a stat to do this, but I think we were one of the first online, certainly in our industry. Um, just say we, the first, Ash. Just say the first. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go out there and I'll make that quote. But I, I can't I can't back it up. But I'm pretty sure if we weren't the first, we were one of the early adopters. And we were faced with the, you know, speaking about what we actually did, we were faced with a, a, an option. And it was either keep going. It was either try something. It was either, uh, you know, invent a practically a new business or hibernate, sleep. And and both were actually, to be honest, I'm not... Not saying that we necessarily did the right thing because there's been a lot of times in the last 12 months where I've wished we just cut all of our costs, you know, hibernated, basically shut down for, for 12 to 18 months. I don't think in hindsight it was the right decision, but it was a it was a viable one that other companies have done. Um, but we 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 we're a small business. We're 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 a team of 10 at, at our most. Um, unfortunately, a few of those have, have moved on now. Uh, but we were able to act really quickly in, in, in contrast to other bigger events who employ hundreds, if not thousands of people. And that was to our credit and to our advantage in, in launching a, an, an online event. Mm. And how are, you seeing, how are you seeing the online world? Would you continue with the online world or would you be going back into events and stop the online? Or would you have I'm, both? I'm a big advocate of live events. I think... The online stuff has done a great job. It's been a really, really good thing. It's worked for a lot of people. I must admit that it, as we said in our previous conversation, it doesn't work for everybody. Some people just don't like it. Some people, you know, as much as they want to be an online speaker, they hate speaking to a camera. And that's fair enough. You know, you'll look forward to the live events coming back maybe. But I'm a big advocate of live events. I think they provide a lot of value and it's what we've done for 25 or 30 years um, previously to this. So I see a big resurgence of live shows. I think we've learned a lot with the online format. So whether or not we keep the online format or whether we make it part of the event is a, a different question. And even if we don't keep it up, we've learned so much from it that will go straight into the live stuff and it will it will support the growth of the live events business. Mm. Um, I think there'll be a, a, a period of time where there isn't 100% confidence about returning to the show floor from visitors. And I think offering a chance for them to attend virtually is still important and it will only be a good thing. So we won't just say, look, you have to, you must come to the physical event. If they don't feel comfortable doing it, you have to make, you have to either ignore them or offer them an alternative. And I'd like to think we'd offer them an online alter alternative. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry not to give you necessarily a non, a, 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 a committed answer, but to summarize, I love live events. I want to get back to doing live events. I want to get in a van and travel to a venue and unpack, unpack that van and create a, an experience for visitors to come and visit. Um, but the online events will still play a role in some way, shape or form, even if they're yeah. not there weirdly what um ash from the from the um the online events uh, is there anything that you've you've learned from the um online events that you've gone god we missed a trick for years um the uh with the um there, yeah, normal there is, events as it were there is actually do you know what do you know what it is the the massive realization i've had is we were 
so protective of our content. So we had the opinion prior, and I'm gonna I'll go out there because I'm not sure whether my dad, the boss, would listen to this. So I'm gonna gonna drop him in it a bit. <laughs> it's, it's maybe his his attitude that people have to come to the events to see the web uh, to see the seminars. People have to actually get out of their office to come and see the events. We won't record them because then people can register for the event, not turn up and sit at home and watch the content. Mm. And I've always said, well, no, look, we've got brilliant speakers. There's some really good stuff there that people want to know about and we can use it to our advantage to promote upcoming shows. It sounds so obvious, but Mm. we just didn't do it. So what I've done throughout the uh, pandemic with the online stuff, it's enabled us, we obviously record everything. I edit it all together, I chop it up, I use snippets of that to post on social, I use snippets of it in emails. You can create blogs off the back of the talks. You can do so much with the content that we've got as an exhibition company that does great things for the events going forward. Promoting the events, selling the events, getting people involved, giving away free knowledge. Um, Mm. And that's been the realization for me. It's like, you're, you're not giving too much away by recording and sharing the content that's at the event. You're actually doing yourself a discredit if you keep hold of it. Mm. it it's there to be shared, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, it's a bit like this. Um, it's a bit like uh, not the the extra cast that Nick and I do, but the podcast that Nick and Matt do, the intelligent one. Um, when, you know, these the guys come and sort of say, look, we're going to do this podcast. And not, I was a bit sceptical because I thought it was a bit of a fad and, you know, I thought it'd just be, you know, a bit of a, a vanity thing. Um but as Nick and Matt have been doing this now for what Nick, you said, 27 weeks, Ash, the amount of emails I've had from people saying I've learned so much because out of all the podcasts, you know, they they get you with these clickbaity, hey, I'll show you a hack on how to, you know, spend less and get more leads. But they don't actually tell you. They don't actually tell you how to use Facebook, you know, the back end of Facebook, whereas Nick and Matt are going to, you know, such fast detail in terms, of, you know, you know, your seven day stacks or how to optimize and all this stuff. And the volume of, you know, we've had a lot of business from it. You know, we've got, um, you know, we, we've really transformed our business in the last probably six months. Um, and a lot of that come down, um, come down because of the, um, because of the podcast, because we were actually giving out, <coughs> sorry, so much value. And actually in a way, some of the tips and tricks that we would use on accounts if people were to use us as an agency, but the amount of people it's actually brought into, again, our ecosystem has been crazy. You know, some of the accounts, you know, the Nick and Matt's, you know, have won recently, you know, things like Nomad, Nick, uh, um, Tom, you know, he started using some of the, um, and implementing some of the things that Nick and Matt had, um, had so sort of taught him. I went into his ads manager for our first consultancy call and he built his ads manager on ads exactly how we'd done it using every single tip. Like it was like I was going into our own account. And, and, and look, that's crazy, isn't it? How does that, so speaking about business, how does that, do you, there's some people, including my aforementioned boss, um, who would look at that as, well, haven't you just given away all your tricks? Well, well, I think what we've come to learn is that you give, 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 take. I think what you have to do, we're all in business and you give a lot out. So, you know, what? Uh, how Instagram has changed now. Instagram, yes, they're still going, oh, look at me and my bum, or look at me eating an avocado salad. But it's really, really going away from that now. And it is all about putting value out there, tips out there. I mean, look at TikTok. TikTok now, yeah, they're doing silly dance and stuff, but 
there's I was watching Sunday brunch or something on Sunday, and there was a chef on it who was going over the top five TikTok food hacks mm. and making them and going, this is amazing. Like so, so we're in an inf- we're in an information age, but I think one thing we've noticed with the podcast is that. Yes, you're giving out these things. Yes, Tom has been able to manage his thing and he's got to a decent ROAS. But when I go onto his account and he pays us for our consultancy work, is on in one hour, I took him from, by doing some tweaks, you know, obviously saying to him, what you've done so far is brilliant. Do this, 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 and this. And I, I then had my second call with him four days later and he'd gone from four ROAS to some of his ads being 24 times their return and he's gone from 50 orders a week to now 50 to 70 orders a day change his business after one call so it just shows that he could have listened to every single podcast that may have not got to that stage he still needed us so it's kind of like you give value out and when people recognize you as an expert and they'll then turn around and say actually i need i need this guy or these guys or this company in my business now Mm. and I think that's the hardest thing. We talk about nurturing and all these sort of things. Like once someone's already been to your, you've got to nurture people to get to your event because someone might be like, well, why would I going to travel here? I'm just going to wait for this particular event because I'm used to it and it's been around for 15 years or whatever. So you've got to get that. But once you've got to your event, they're going to go, this is great. I've taken some, some knowledge from this. All they need to do is take one thing from one speaker on that day and implement it into their business and it will work. And it's the same with reading. Like I don't read anywhere near as much as I should do. And they say, you know, you have these people on YouTube saying, you know, the top SEOs in the world read 70 books or 50 books a year. I mean, that's like, you know, one a week. That's hardcore, isn't it? But I would say with reading, and especially with our old business, James, you remember, there were some things that we read from certain books and experts out there that we've taken one thing from, and it's changed Mm. business in some kind of way. And I think it's the same with all this different thing. It's our podcast just isn't one book. It's us just talking about the stuff. Instagram, people doing their reels on how to do things, blah, blah. It's it's just information of value. And then you're going for a right hook. And I think there's a couple of things there, Nick. In terms of the social media platforms, you know, is the, the day is... The, start though, is, it, is there a couple of things are you going to lead with? Nick did say at one point there, follow at Nick Boddington on Instagram for butts and avocados. <laughs> I haven't got any butts on there and I haven't got any avocados. I was going to um, say, he's got, he's got an either. You just dropped it in there. <laughs> what? There's a lot of pictures of me pointing Too at many. things. Yeah. Well, but sorry. going on, just going off that, I was going to say is that the social media platforms of, of yesteryear are not as they, they, you know, moving forward, you know, I think, you know, they, there's always going to be like Nick said, you know, People, you know, putting their kids on, their dogs and the avocados and, you know, someone in their gym shirt, shirt um, gym shirt leggings, you know, with their ass out. But that's always going to be there. Thank God. Thank God. But the the social media platforms are going down more of a, <laughs> like in a way, of a, of like I said, an information age. You know, Instagram especially, if you go onto Instagram now, and when you get out all this, the people that you're following, that your friends and family, you're being served content constantly. And most of it is paid. And it's not bad content. You know, this is some of this stuff is really, really good. You know, reels at the moment, you know, you know, people that don't know, you know, or be looking at reels, 
if you put a reel out, they're pushing that wider than you can ever do. You know, Olivia did one for our business last week and it went to two and a half thousand people. We've only got about 200 people following us, but that, they're pushing that content to relevant consumers using Instagram. Now, Instagram are doing that because they want to keep people on their platform. They want to keep them engaged. So they're going to push that content because they know it's going to be the right fit for that avatar or that consumer. So I think, you know, the 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 old way of looking at social media is, yeah, it's, you know, it's still going to be there, but it's only going to be a very small percentage, you know, moving forward, you know, this, you know, and I know everyone's, you know, they love using this word content and, you know, they love, you know, everyone, everyone put it out there, but look at you, Ash, and like I said earlier, I saw, you know, someone on LinkedIn, I had that fear of missing out, you know, you got my attention, I'm like, oh, bollocks, I've missed out here. I call you and go, fucking, I get me on, you know, that, that there, that's got me. And that is how, you know, moving forward, people should be using social media, whether that's paid or whether it's organic, is, is that content needs to be engaging and it needs to be on point for those avatars that, you know, Nick discussed massively. Mm. You're, just, you're just trying to get one person to learn something from something you do and they build that trust in you. Um, and also, sorry, Nick, I was going to say is that and not every business will will want or need an agency they they won't because they might not have the money they may not have the resource there, there's a number of reasons you know i i like to put you know use this analogy of these karcher um window washers you know that you can buy people will buy them because it's novel at first and mm. then they just hire a window cleaner in two months because they're bored of doing it and it's the same, you know, some people will still, you know, the smaller businesses will still be the ones doing their own windows because they can't afford that window cleaner. But the businesses that have got a little bit more money, they're able to use the window cleaner or, or an agency potentially because they see the value in it and they're able to do it. You know, someone that's mm. too small can't sometimes use an agency because, you know, you know, I'm sure, you know, you guys are you know, sort of same size as us. So there's certain things that you want to keep in house and there's certain things you want to outsource because, there's some things you see the value in you doing yourself, and there's some things you see the value in actually outsourcing because your skill set's not there. You know, things like PPC, you know, I don't know what your, you know, if it's if it's something you've ever tried, Ash, but you know, it's a skill that you know we don't do internally. We have a we have knowledge of it, but we're not experts in it. So if we ever did PPC, I'd outsource it. Obviously, paid social we would do internally. Mm. Yeah, we we I think also with the agency chat is I love my business. I'm very, very close to it. I've got a, a, a genuine emotional connection. It's my baby. Mm. And it's tough to outsource to an agency as a result because I've done it in the past with various agencies working on ideas and stuff, thinking that – and I, I just find it difficult to pass over that level of trust because ultimately they care about their business. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, as an employee of, of X agency – and I worry whether they fully understand what it means and what they need to do to receive the, achieve the results. And that's a really bad thing from my point of view, but it happens. And I spoke to another agency not long ago and they said exactly the same thing. They say they don't go after managing directors who look after the marketing budgets because of that reason. They'd much rather deal with a company that's slightly larger, has a marketing person, and it the, the numbers become what they're what they're looking at no longer kind of this emotional decision of should we or shouldn't we it's like yeah. we're gonna we are going to put x amount of money into um 
paid social and we'll we'll keep going at it until we get till we see a, a, a suitable return on it or we decide to stop um, yeah. so i find my connection to agencies is maybe a little bit too emotional still because we're at that stage you know um where i'm too, too involved <laughs> maybe it's you know it's interesting ash because we we had to change our our model really and we've sort of evolved you know especially since the you know obviously we went live and then the pandemic hit and yes everyone wanted to go online and you know we've been profitable this last year and we're one of the lucky ones but <clears throat> we noticed that we had an influx of people wanting to use paid social and looking back a lot of those weren't ready to use an agency because of the exact reason you've discussed there they're too they're with they're too close to the business you know there was um there's a company that started working with us through the podcast actually uh, a guy local to us and um he even admitted he's like you know i'm still do you know he was doing some paid social listened to the podcast tried some of the stuff that obviously nick and matt discussed it worked god i need to use these guys but he was going on every day going, oh, look, I'm looking at this. Is this, should this be this way? Because he's emotionally invested. You know, he's still, you know, like you, you know, you're, you're not that no one's not in love with their business, but they're looking at every single penny that's being spent. And if there's one bit of it that you don't understand, you're going to question it. Now he was quite, you know, he questioned a lot. Um, and because of those reasons and it wasn't you know there's obviously there's reasons why an agency whether it's paid social ppc seo you know email marketing whatever it is there's reasons why they do certain things in a certain way now like you said you as an agency what you don't want is someone like you ash in truth going oh why are you doing that why are you doing this because we've got jobs to do and vice versa you know we wouldn't come to your event and go why is that stand over there and why is it not looking that way? There's, you know, you you know how to run an event. So, you know, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't question that. Mm. No, I totally agree. I, I, I know it. I know, I, I 100% know it. And and when I'm looking back, we've used agencies for bits and bobs. And I know I've fallen foul of that too many times, but it's really difficult not to. You guys can appreciate it because you, you, you're, you're in a unique position, actually, because you are an agency and it's your business. And and maybe that gives you a slightly different angle on it. But for me, not an agency, but runs a business. It's interesting to hear what you say about events because I totally appreciate that. Um, but events yeah. have got, uh, agencies have got a hard time because you're acting as as a representative of our business. Yeah, and it's like where do, where do you draw the line? You know, where uh, it's it's a really really tough one. But that that's always been the angle for me that I've struggled to approach from is does this agency actually get what I'm doing and what I believe yeah. in. And yeah. that that I, I see for, for small businesses, that's the success of an agency. It's it's we we know that there are lots of people out there that do paid social really well. There are lots of agencies out there that do paid social really well. But I feel like the best ones are the ones that truly understand my problems as a small business owner and 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 use their 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 skills to deliver that. You know what I mean? Rather than yeah. saying, hey, social is going to work. Here you go. Give us your budget and I'll go run some Facebook ad campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, hold on. You're an events business and you, you go into leads. And have you thought about this? Have you thought, you know, those are the ones that I like working with. I think from um, uh, the fulfillment of what you're trying to achieve in life as well, because you've got a business, it's making you money. Are you happy in doing what you're doing in that business? And James and I both are guilty of, we actually really like helping small businesses, but as an agency owner, we can't build and scale our agency based on small businesses. 
So in a way, it's why we have a podcast. It's why we have a course, which we will be launched soon. And then why we'll have the middle ground of the consultancy department where so people at your events essentially could go to, they could see us speak and then they go, I want to be involved in this, but they can't quite afford the cost of coming to an agency. The consultancy side allows them to learn about Facebook ads and have me or a member of my team actually in their ads, helping them along at a cheaper price because we do, James and I get a kick of helping out small businesses. You, you, a lot of the time you don't get that fulfillment when you're helping the larger companies because you're just dealing with some people in the marketing department who go home at the end of the day and forget about it. And yeah, you've got a cost per lead down from X to X. And you're, you're brilliant. And we've done that with big companies. We've got on the phone and gone, yeah, yeah. So we've saved you 500 pounds per lead. And they're like, excellent. Cool. Great. Like, yeah. oh, oh, all right. You deal with a small company like that Nomadware and you've gone on and changed his business from a £2,000 a week revenue to a £10,000 a week revenue, there's a lot of fulfillment that comes from that. And I think that's why James and I um, have probably stopped, you know, we, we have to grow an agency to scale it, to, to, you know, to do the things that we want to do. But at the same time, we want to keep the fulfillment of helping these other businesses. You know, I had a meeting yesterday with someone who's a small, an inventor, a brand new product wants to help us market with them. Amazing. Like, and we want to see that grow and it'll be awesome. It's going to take a lot of hard work, a lot of really cool ideas and the teams are all behind it. At the same time, you've got to have the right clients as well. So, you know, there are going to be people at your show. We've met those people who are like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then you give them the prices, what you're doing. It's like, oh, I can't really afford that. So it's like... It's a really, it's, it's a really hard one, isn't it? Because, you know, something that, you know, Nick, you touch on then is that, you know, we enjoy helping small business owners and we do. And we've done it for years in our data business and now this. In truth, it's been to our detriment. You know, we yeah. haven't grown, you know, our data business as well as we should have because we're trying to help the little guy too much. You know, I'm, you know, trying to help them out at 11 o'clock at night and their email marketing, good subject lines. And I'm like, I'm not getting fucking paid for this. I'm sending you a data list, you know. I'm trying to help you with your email platform, you know, what sequences you should do, you know, how you should fucking call these guys, how often you should call them. You know, we're not a marketing agency. We're just a data company. And now, obviously, we've got the social stuff. But actually, looking back, you know, over the last, you know, 12, 13 years, Nick, you know, I think we can both look at ourselves in the eye and go, actually, it fucked us up in a way, if I'm being brutally honest, because we're trying to help everyone and anyone. And rather than looking after ourselves, we were looking after everyone else. And that's not – so that's why with the social business, we've tried our best to – how accommodate is probably the best word accommodate everyone we can do so things like the podcast you know rather than coming to to us saying oh can you use me just saying well here's our price i can't because it's now only rate and that's how we work and you know they're like well you're too expensive I, I i've got no alternative it's not like the data where i could say well here's a bit less data or vice versa whereas you know we've got you know the podcast which will give you loads of information if they're a bit bigger and they've started running call and um, they started running ads and they want some sort of helping hand twice a month or four times a month they've got the consultancy or the course or you know and then you know so there's lots of alternatives that they've got opposed to oh we just can't help you mm -hmm. and that's you know something we've never you know we've never wanted to do because actually you know you, you know we, we want to help you know as many people as we can but there's got to be that level of maturity from both sides to say well actually is it right for us and is it right for that that other sort of business owner I know this is probably not how podcasts work and I'm not sure where we're at on time here. So feel free to edit this bit out, but I'm, I'm genuinely, we've spoken a lot about scaling a business 
And I'm genuinely yeah. interested in this idea that I saw yesterday, but it had been going on in my brain for a while previous. We are about sustainable growth rate that I mentioned mm-hmm. previously and, and kind yeah. of thinking about not taking over the world. But what, what are you, what, so my, my question to you is, what are you guys doing in your agency? Where do you see it going? Are you building this to try and run, a, you know, run an agency with 100 employees? Are you building it to, to satisfy a comfortable lifestyle? You We've know, got 97 what? now, so <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> but, you know, like, what, 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 what do you guys see as your kind of scale, you know, your, your route? Or do you not think about it? Because I've been thinking over the last year with our events business, it's given me a lot of time to think about why we're doing this and what, mm-hmm. what we're in for over the next few years. And myself as kind of a, you know, my dad run this business for 30 years and I'm coming into it rather fresh faced. Do I want to have grey hairs by the time I'm 35 or do I want to do I want to run it for 30 years, but not at the same level of growth, but kind of it's mm. ticking over? Do you know, do you know what I mean? And how do you guys mm. feel about that? Do you want to answer this one, Nick? <laughs> or do you want me to start? Well, I guess Nick and I both have, you know, we both have, you know, sort of the same goals, but I guess very different in terms of sort of where that is. Um, you know, we're both very different stages of our lives. You know, Nick's kids are, are you know, nearly leaving the nest, as it were. And, you know, I'm just starting my, I guess, my journey with, you know, with with my family. So I guess where we want the agency to go is I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find something that, can help everybody that's my overarching goal because you know something that we spoke about when you know our event last year event last year is that everyone can use paid social and they should be using it because it's the cheapest form to grow your business right now whether that's an event business whether that's you you've got a baby garment that you've just you know thought of an idea you can test very quickly what you know an idea and go to market with it you know, Nick, when and I've discussed the consultancy, we had an idea 10 days ago about the consultancy. We had some Facebook ads go live. We've already got 20 leads. Two of them have converted, and that's seven days ago. So already in seven days, I've proven a concept. No, in no other platform can you do that. But I want every single small business owner to be able to look at that and go, well, whether it's using an agency or doing it by yourself, because, you know, yes, it's hard, but once you've got the, the basics to it, you can use it. So my goal is to everyone to see the value in paid social, not the organic stuff, the paid, because you know social media platforms are moving away from putting out organic content. You know your followers. You know on average, I think it's only two percent of of your followers will actually see your content, which is very frustrating. Not a lot of many people know that. Um, so I want you know my goal is for this every business to look at it as a value proposition and acquisition channel. Now, if that takes us 10 employees, 20 employees, 100, 200, 250, I don't know. You know, Mm. I don't, you know, I guess where we want it to go is, you know, we want it to be profitable and we don't have to worry. You know, I think that's the, you know, I think that's what everyone's looked back at this pandemic and you guys in, in, in truth as well, Ash, you know, we looked at our data business and, you know, we've never had hundreds of thousands of pounds in the, in the bank. And I think most business owners are in the same position. I think there's very few that, you know, can look back and go, oh, God, we're right for a year. You know, we've got a year's worth of wages in the bank. We don't have to worry. I think, you know, you know I don't know, Nick, you jump in here. Mm-hmm. But for, for me personally, it's, it's having a sustainable model, like you said, Ash, 10 years, or do I look at it free? 
for you know not only for us for our employees because you know you've got employees and the hard thing is they fucking rely on us mm. don't they and it's really hard you know especially when the pandemic hit you know the data company you know i didn't know what it was going to happen you know truth i was like fucking hell, is anyone going to buy data for a year in a pandemic you know thankfully people did and we didn't have to furlough anyone so we were very lucky but you know what if they didn't you know you've got you know seven eight nine staff what do you do with them do you just furlough them do you get rid of them you know there's so i'd like to be in a position really where you know you've got a year's worth of wage in the bank and everyone's everyone's happy and content at the end of the day something else is going to happen (laughs) it's going to happen and we we we're going to be prepared for that to happen um, you know, when we came into this, we saw a lot of agencies who had modelled their revenue structure with their clients incorrectly. It was probably great in a good market. And they went from a lot of money a month turnover to not a lot of money a month turnover. And so we've come in learning that, you know, the data business was built in in another recession. Um, I think, you know, when we're speaking to other agencies, like going back to what you said earlier, they're all trying to do one. They're all trying to do lots of things. So, master, you know, you can only be the master of one thing, can't you? Um, and James is smiling out because I'm crap with my sayings. as all while this is no. But, yes, we will do YouTube and we're going to be amazing at it. We will do AdWord and we'll be amazing at it. Those things will come when the time's right, if it serves it. But from a Facebook point of view, we essentially want to be that number one company in the UK about Facebook. We want to be speaking at your, all your events and people coming because we're speaking. We want to be at these big marketing events are in Barcelona about Facebook and we want to be on the stage as the headline speakers. We want our podcast at the moment is the the best you type in Facebook ads into into Apple or Spotify and we're the first podcast that comes up. We had no idea that was going to happen. We had no idea we'd be creating a consultancy business out of a podcast. We had no idea we'd be winning customers out of a podcast when we still don't even get you know We've had three and a half thousand, as of Monday, we've had three and a half thousand downloads of this podcast um, to date. Now we're sort of going up at 500 downloads every two weeks. That will probably be 500 downloads every day in a year's time. So who knows where the business is going, but we're going to go with it because at the end of the day, all we wanted to do, we love what we do. Like you get these campaigns working and it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. We just, just to jump to make in there, sure it's structured right. I was going to say, just jump in there, Ash, you were probably expecting, oh, we want to sell the business in 10 years for 10 million. And and it's really weird with Nick and I, you know, we've never, even though, look, we want the nice things and we want nice houses and cars and all that shit. But, you know, we get a real buzz, you know, we speak at fucking 10, 11 o'clock at night about campaigns. No one sees that, you know, they, they'll be like, what planet are you to on? You know, and it's some small guy selling pork crackling down in Bournemouth, as an example. You know, we're talking about his campaigns at 11 o'clock at night. We do generally get buzz off that. And, you know, I just want, you know, I think we want what we want to become is this authority, especially in Facebook. And I think that's probably the best word to use is we want, like Nick said, is that if anyone thinks about page Facebook advertising, oh, we need to speak to Lex from social. Or, oh, Nick's speaking at that event, or James is doing something there. And we want, again, we want to just, you know, be that one that people think of and you know something that you know that very frustrates me when i'm looking at social media at these click oh you know i've got a hack for this i've got a hack for that and you click on it and there's no content there you know we want people to get you know not even think about these guys and go well if i need anything let's from social the, the, you know they're, they're the guys to speak to now whether that's in 
a consultancy aspect or whether it's actually using the agency you know i think we just want to become that again that authority don't we really nick Mm, absolutely and change people's businesses if we can you know when people come onto the consultant if i can't help them i'll say i can't help them Mm. but if i can i'll do what i can and if they you know if they're here with us for a month or they're here for us for a year great we've managed to change someone and help them but at the same time yeah yeah is there an exit one day yeah we'd like to think so are we structuring a company to grow like that yeah but at the same time there's so many different things and we're you know you learn along the way don't you i still listen you know this morning i was on a journey listening to a podcast of Tony robbins on fulfillment you know and and all these and you're, you're having to constantly learn and adapt to doing the right things but i think at the end of the day you can chase money too much um i think if you find the thing that you really really enjoy and you're good at it the rest will come well there's just to jump in just to go again ash and i know this 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 answer is really going on now but something that i really took away from the pandemic was um and you've probably you know you 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 guys probably better than anyone really notices was that having one in- income stream fucked us potentially you know with the we were lucky with the data industry we've got some very good clients that kept buying data but they were the larger companies so i was very grateful that you know some of the larger businesses you know the big blue chip said look james we'll still buy data from you you know you don't have to worry which was fantastic if they hadn't have said that we had one revenue stream into the business which was as you know selling a prospect list if that dried up we were gone you know in truth you know you know what do we do so something that i've tried to structure over the last sort of 12 months is you know, and I know, you know, obviously, you know, everyone, you know, this is the ideal world for everyone, but having different tranches of, of income, whether that's, yeah. you know, consultancy, whether that's, you know, a course, whether that's the agency, you know, with the data, you know, the data business I'm structuring differently at the moment, so there's lots of new things coming for that. But, you know, I, I, what I really want is, is, is different revenue streams in because, you know, I don't want staff to think that, you know, Oh, if that stops, do we have a job? Yeah. Because there's nothing yeah. worse, you know, and, and we've got some amazing people in both businesses, absolute legends. And I don't want them to ever think that, you know, that they're they're, you know, you know, obviously they know if we're under pressure, you know, then these guys aren't stupid. But if we've got different revenue streams then, you know, I'm sure there's some people you lost Ash that you didn't want to lose. And I'm, you know, and if there was another potential form of revenue, you may not have had to. Um, and I think that's one thing I've taken away from this pandemic is that I, and I, I'm sure a lot of companies have is that did we get a bit um, complacent with that one stream? And I think, yeah, that's one thing that I've really looked at and gone, wow, we need to look at this as an overall and go, how do we get not just that one stream? Because if something happens, we're out, aren't we? Mm. Good answer. Thank you. That's what well, I'm that kind of. Well, coming to an end of the podcast, then he kind of threw that back on us then for twenty minutes. Actually, I, I because he's together. a host, isn't he? He's a host. He knows. Yeah, he was yeah. Doing. We saw... He knew what he was doing. I'm not new to this game, <laughs> but but hopefully our listeners got some benefit out of that as well. Um, but yeah, it's very. It's like it's like like diverse. It's basically diversifying your portfolio, isn't it? Like you're learning about investments, which I'm learning about at the moment. And the key thing is. You don't put your eggs in one basket because if property goes under, you're screwed. So you put a bit in here, you put it in there, and you have your di- you di- you diversifying your cash flows. And I would say the most successful people, even uh, a builder I know, you know, he he said to me, he's done very well for himself, and he said, "You need five cash flows." 
end of. So, but you know, how do you grow and manage five different cash flows? It takes time. I think people want things overnight. Things take time, but I think you need to think about, you know, if people listening to this have got their own businesses or set their own agencies or whatever, you need to think if the tap gets turned off, what other taps are going? Mm. Well, there's yeah. two things we want to, two things we want to end on here is that the first one, Ash, I want you to plug your events here um, because the people that listen to this, you know, will get so much value from your events, you know, whether that's, you know, the guys at Force 24 doing email marketing or all the other, you know, things. So, Go ahead, please plug the, uh, yeah, the marketing I mean, showcase so events. Hopefully it doesn't take much plugging after our scintillating chat. But um, yeah, so we organise monthly at the moment online events for marketers and business people that want to learn about marketing. Uh, comprise of inspirational talks. And, and you actually touched upon it. I promise that if somebody attends, uh, we've got a marketing event next week, they will take away one new marketing idea that will help their business. That's what I aim to do with every visitor that we've got is one new idea that you can put into your marketing campaigns and it will start to get things ticking on. So, yeah, we, we run free events for marketers. Um, we're at, the, the one thing that I'd like to plug in this is we, we're working on a new idea together, aren't we, guys, where next week you're presenting our very first live Q&A on Facebook ads. So if anyone wants to register for next week's event um, taking place on the 20th of April, at 9.30, the live Facebook ads Q&A with the guys from yeah. the podcast. So that'll be fun. Perfect. Where would they go, Ash? Where would they? What's yeah, the to, URL? Head to our website. So it's www.mktg, short marketing, showcase.co.uk. And if you can't... I'm going to sound like a, I was going to say, I'm going to sound like a podcast host now. Nick, do they put it on the description? Is that right? But we'll put it on the description, yeah. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, yeah. If, you can't, if you can't find a registration form on that page, then I've done something seriously wrong. So just yeah. head on to that website and uh, hopefully there'll be a form on there for you to register for tickets. Perfect. Brilliant. Okay, Ash. Well, thanks very much for your time today. Really, I really enjoyed that. Actually, we could have speak, spoke for a lot longer, actually. It's quite, I love these sort of things. Um, but yeah, thanks for your time. Good luck next week. We'll see you there next week when we're hosting our podcast live, which will be really exciting. Um, and James, time as usual. Always been a pleasure. Yeah, cheers, Nick. Are you stuck trying to figure out the best way to optimise your Facebook ad campaigns? Have you given up with figuring out how to get your click-through rate higher than 1% or your click-through cost less than a pound? Or maybe you're on the verge of losing a client because you can't get them the returns that you promised. We've all been there, but it can all be learnt. That's why you're listening to this podcast. But we can now go one step further. Come and join the Ads Clinic, a series of one-on-one consultancy calls where we dive into your own ads manager and see where we can help turn your ads into a profit-making machine without you making the expensive mistakes trying to figure it out yourself. Still unsure? Well, how does 30 minutes free call on Zoom sound to get things going and see if we can really help with those ads? Sound good? Great. Head over to theadsclinic.com and book a time in my diary. Do it now before you forget. That's theadsclinic.com and I'll see you on Zoom. Thank you for joining us again today. If you want to find out more, please head over to our socials at Let's Run Social where we share daily content. And please feel free to drop us a message. We'd love to hear from you and any questions that you would like answered, we can do that here on the podcast.